The GovCon Secrets Podcast will take a deep dive into the government contracting space where you'll hear from a variety of expert guests on strategy, pricing, benefits, business tactics, and all this to save you a ton of money, time, energy, and effort. I'm your host, Jim Campbell, former Marine and CEO of Axum Fringe Solutions Group. My goal is to redefine the benefits world with a brutally honest view of how benefits, compliance, finance, and overall contracting strategy mixed with my years of experience and expertise can benefit you to deploy strategies to help your GovCon grow and win in the future, all the while without boring you to death. We're going to have fun. Let's start the show. So why don't carriers have modern health? Why don't carriers have a version of you? Well, they try. (laughs) They do. Okay. (laughs) I think some of them try. Yeah, I won't go into specific logos, but we definitely get faced with some that already have what Modern Health does. It's usually a piece together telemedicine company that you're going to talk to a different provider every time. They're not going to call and check up on you afterwards. They're not going to know anything about you, and they're not going to help you do any kind of consumerism with what they're ordering. Um, They also have an extremely limited scope, but that checks the box. We've got telemedicine, right? Some of them, actually a lot of them nowadays have nurses built into the TPA or into a layer of the plan, and they will try to tell us it's the same thing that we do. When you look behind the curtain, it's maybe 10,000 patients per nurse. It's totally reactive. So they're waiting until a plane comes in and then saying, oh gosh, this is going to cost us a lot. Let's go call this person who's never met us before and try to redirect them. Now, If you look at the patient, even for a second, if some nurse calls you from a health plan and says, you're really costing us a lot of money. We don't want you to go back to that specialist. We want you to do this instead. I mean, what are the chances that you're going to be like, oh, okay, I'll just drop everything I was doing because this person really cares about me. I mean, that's what we're seeing now is they might claim that they have stuff like us. but And then frankly, there's this navigation aspect that we see a lot, but it's either reactive or it's built into this plan. So they're only going to direct you to, you know, the vertical integration of the business. So they're only going to direct you into the pieces of the plan that are going to make them the most money. They're not going to talk to you about alternatives. They're not going to, you know, offer any other path. You know, unfortunately, they might have the best intentions as a nurse going to work there, but they've got parameters and they've got things built around what they can do and ultimately end up just driving, you know, more profit for the, for the plans and not help the person. That's right. Yeah. I've, I've always told people that Axum nor true care will ever sell to a public entity. We won't do it. Right. Because I think that when the stock outweighs stock price outweighs the value that you're delivering, everything you built was a fraud. Exactly. And, you know, I went without pay for four years <laughs> yeah. and have been very picky about taking money. I've had these big logos reach out to me and, you know, offer to buy the company already. And I, I just laugh and, you know, they obviously haven't met a farm girl from Kansas yet. I'm not sure. But to me, I do, I'll never build something that's going to create. There's enough things being built that are just smoke and mirrors and causing more problems for people. I can't help but see the numbers as people. You know, I love going on site and hearing actual patient stories and knowing the impact we're making. And that's just not in my DNA to ever 
to ever be in a situation where something I've built, you know, is out in the world hurting people. I just can't do it. Yeah, I, I think uh, we're cut from the same cloth there because I had this inherent issue with, you know, when, when people tell you, well, no, you're, you can't do that. It's too expensive. And then you've got the actual live use case in front of you on the other side. Right. And you can see we can do it. And it's not that expensive. It's how you have it built. And there's a better way to do it or a better way to deliver it. And we can help these people. And then you're told no. So yeah. candidly, that's why I got out of business and started my own business because I was like, wait a second, one and one doesn't equal three for you. It should equal two. And you both share in this, right? Like there's right. always enough money. There is always there's plenty enough of money. profit to be made and to, you know, have a healthy lifestyle and just do the right thing. That's right. That's the bottom line. That's right. You know, it's, um, employees are suffering right now, but like not only our country, this is a global thing, but in our country, inflation has now well outpaced the earning capacity. But not just the employees are suffering, employers are suffering because they can't keep up with that demand that they have to pay somebody more money or they, they don't have the profits either because inflation hits them as well. So now that we see inflation's hitting an employer, inflation's hitting employees and those paychecks have been dwindled, what you provide is that much more important, right? Because you're helping people realize it doesn't need to be that expense. Like you said, inside your PBM. Why spend a $40 copay when we found it for you for $15.50? That's right. right. And it goes back to that idea of consumerism. I think the HSA world and the HRA world 20 some years ago or 17 years ago had a good idea, but they just never followed through on the education and the delivery. Yeah. Right. Right. No, absolutely. I just talked to a patient a couple of days ago um, that a nurse had called me on and she just called me out of outrage just to share the story because she was frustrated, but she said, you know, they've got this HSA, they're getting this medication. And as I'm doing an onboarding with them, I realize they're paying $400 a month for this medication and it's isolated outside of the plan. So no one's paying attention to it. Right. But this blue collar worker who's struggling to put food on the table has been paying $400 a month and has frankly just kind of thrown his hands up. Like I have to have this. There's nothing else I can do. When it's a medication we can source for $15 for a 90-day supply, a 90-day supply for $15. So while the HSA is fantastic, without you know some guidance, without some kind of help, these people can get taken advantage of extremely poorly. Um, yep. And I think that those people that maybe, maybe you and I have seen enough frontline things that, that make it matter to us more, but I think that I think if some of those people were forced to actually be in a room with a family of a dying child or, you know, something that happened that shouldn't have, I think it would be much different if some of those people were forced to really spend time with the people that those things are affecting instead of getting to separate themselves and, you know, just talk about them as a population. I've actually seen that in our community, right? And especially in LinkedIn, there's been a number of former executives of like healthcare systems or healthcare companies that something happened to them personally or a family member yeah. and they, it leveled who they were. Like they were making the huge checks, you know, multi-million dollar bonuses every year. They were living big lives and then something ha happened to them individually where right. they didn't get that presidential treatment or their family member didn't get the easy answer. And they're no longer working at those companies. They're Changes out, they're, everything. They're fighting, our, they're fighting our fight on our yes. side, right? And I try to relay that to some of the folks that we work with because they realize just how human 
It is. To your point earlier, this is a very human business. And when they couldn't get answers, and they were the top of the stack, right? They right. were at the very top. They couldn't get answers because doctors don't answer to them, right? And the hospital system they're at didn't answer to them or their specific need. Mm-hmm. That uh, was very eye-awakening. And this, these are well-known people in the LinkedIn community kind of out there proselytizing our our speech, right? It's it, like you have to go yeah. a couple layers deeper and there's there's multifacets to this healthcare thing. But um, I also think it always goes back to education, communication, wash and repeat again, right? Yep, basic. Like, like you said, you can't leave the person once they left your care, like when you were a clinician, you can't leave the person. You have to, that follow-up prevents them from falling back into their old habits or if they're diabetic, drinking 10 sodas a day and not checking their blood sugars and things like that. Right. Yeah. Your group is following up and it's helping, but ultimately that is now helping the plan. And smart employers are saying, wait a second, if you do this, I'll do this. And, and it's like a, you know, reach one, teach one type thing. So what we found now is really smart employers are having these savings because of companies like yours and they're, because your nurses or your doctors are recommending care that is a better outcome, better quality at a lower cost, the employer's like, I'll, I'll pay for your deductible or I'll take care of all the bills or I'll give you $1,000, whatever it is, right? Yeah. And I said, man, that's a great way to beat inflation right there. You're both winning, mm-hmm. right? Your plan's not going up, but this person's not spending out-of-pocket dollars they already don't have. And now you're getting a very equitable balance in this care continuum. Everybody's getting the same thing because you went that couple levels deeper of trying to find a better solution. That's right. And look, I'm guilty of it too. I was um, completely, you know, obsessed with the patient and I, but I'd never owned a business. And so in my head, you know, business owners just didn't care about their employees. (laughs) I mean, that's what I had told myself. They just don't care. They're, I've got to get in and fight for them. Um, obviously, I learned a lot about how the plans works, how the supply chain works, you know, kind of the entire buying process, and I became an employer. So through all of those things, I learned, actually, the employer is not the bad guy. <laughs> the employer is doing the best they can. And frankly, most of them care about their employees. 100%. They also don't have the literacy to understand how these plans work. A lot of it's hidden from them. You know, they're trying to run their company and and focus on what matters to make sure their company stays afloat, even the bigger companies, especially in a time like this. But then they're also left with just trusting someone that must know it better than me. And so that backfires on them a lot. And I was guilty just like anyone else of not having that firsthand experience and kind of doing the blame game and like, it can't be, you know, it's gotta be their fault. And that's not the case. It was a big awakening to realize, okay, that's not the bad guy here. Um, They're actually doing the best they can. And it's our job to help illuminate things. It's our job to do what we say we do and build trust with them as well. And help, you know, because the more that we get in and they trust us, the more we're able to kind of come back to the business owners and say, you know, have you thought about, you know, what's going on with your plan? Maybe we have a broker that might make a little more sense for you. Or, you know, we're starting to get people reach out to us, you know, across the country, just who do you recommend? Because we don't have, you know, a fight there. We don't have a dog in that fight. Like, we just want the best plan so we can help your people. And we've seen a lot of them. 
So we're starting to get more of them coming to us. And, and they just, just like the patients, they just don't have the literacy to make great decisions. That's right. Well, you see some of these huge global companies, Coca-Cola, Microsoft, GM, they have internal teams, not one, internal teams like Modern set up to answer all of the employees' questions. They have on-site clinics at some of their larger facilities. Mm-hmm. They have, I mean, it's insane how much they devote back to that literacy. And then you get out, and I've got friends that were very high-ranking exec- executives at Google, and they got out and started their own companies. And they were like, oh my God, I didn't know it took all this. This is crazy. I used to just call somebody down in building three and they took care of all my stuff for me with my wife and my kids. Now I have all these employees and their wives and their kids. Who do I turn to? The guy I called who said he got our back and built our plan doesn't know what the hell I'm talking about and just says it's our plan. They can't help us. And I was like, it's funny that if you look at the really large companies, literacy is the beginning of their plan. They invested folks into answering all those questions because ultimately it's their dollars. It's like, like they just like the military, they're like, wait, it, we need people to make better decisions. We need to educate them to do right things and use the clinic versus the ER and all those right. types of things. Yeah, that's so true. I think um, even with those that they have, they struggle, I think with utilization and mm-hmm. building relationships you know, sure. But yeah, you're right. That they recognize that you've got to educate. You've got to make it easy to ask. You've got to have those those easy answers. I mean, something as simple as a nurse calling after a procedure and just making sure that um, we're having a candid conversation about what you're struggling with. I don't know how many times I was at the heart hospital um, working in the clinic, and we would do a procedure on a patient, and we would give them maybe six medications and tell them we're going to follow up in six weeks. They'd come back in and they'd say, oh, I took five of the six medications, but this one was really expensive. And we would have to say, okay, well, that was you know, the most important medication. That's what kept you from clotting back off. So guess what? We're, we're pulling you back into the lab, the cath lab, and we're redoing the heart procedure. Um, and just one phone call of, of a nurse checking in and saying, how's it going? Were you able to get all your medications? This one's expensive. Okay, let's get it. Let's find a way to get it. Would have saved all of that. So it's very simple, very simple and very common sense, but it's very lacking. Oh, and, and it's devastating to the individual, right? Because they're already stressed. Their families are already oh, smoked, yeah. so to speak, like as far as mental and what they're dealing with. But that one extra phone call, and, and you know it now because you've worked with all the vendors and you've seen how mm-hmm. companies work. It is really not that hard to find alternatives that are the same substrate, does the same job, can work with your biochemistry. And, oh, by the way, we found it for 85% less. Or you qualify for a coupon from that maker that's like that's free right. for the first six months or something. It's one extra phone call. And people, right. whether they're embarrassed or lack education or they just kind of are too scared, this is the biggest reason we partner with Modern because that one extra phone call saves a person potentially saves their lives, but also saves them from making consistent mistakes. That's right. And it's not going to just be, so, I mean, obviously I love our company and I love what we've built and I love the work we're doing, but it's not going to be us by ourselves that that can change things. Right. So it's so important for us to have someone like Axim is a perfect example of a group that we feel like is mission aligned, that we know we can go do the front end work, but then we can offer some feedback back to the leadership and say, hey, here's what we're seeing. What can we do about this? 
And, you know, all egos are going to be put to the side and we're going to work together to figure out how do we support this from the plan design. It's got to be both sides. Um, I can't save the world. And I don't think that you can either. But I think when you have those two pieces together, I think it's um, it's really what's missing. And you get these wins like you get these folks that call out of nowhere that I haven't talked to in four, five, six years. And I get this random phone call from a CFO who's a great buddy. But then he'll just say, hey, so-and-so wanted me to pass a message to you and say, thank you. Right. And you're thinking, so who is that? Like, I, I don't even remember. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, what happened? And they tell you the story and you're devastated. And they're like, no, no, it all turned out well because they were able to make a couple phone calls. Everything got handled. It wasn't the emergency that they thought it was going to be, whatever the story is. And I just I was like, wow, like today was a group of companies, because again, in our true care platform, we have a stack of partners that make all that happen. Sure. And then, you know, obviously modern's a part of that, but you have so many people contribute to that where it just wasn't back on that one person to be scared or be pushed aside and then receive bills that were potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's right. No, it makes it all worth it. I get teased a lot. Um, my business partner will walk in and I'll be you know, doing one of these. And he's like, are you geeking out? Did you get a call? (laughs) Like, yes, because this is, this is why we do what we do. I mean, we, this is, this is why we're here. Those mean everything. That's the thing that builds your business more than spending money on marketing and having these huge budgets, because you're going to get that person, whether they stay with that company or not, they're going to go somewhere else. And they're going to tell their HR director, by the way, I had this great experience with modern health and here's how it works. Right there, that's your marketing pitch, right? Because yeah. you've got so many instances of it, um, and I know it. I know it sticks. I I know it works. You know it works. It's been working. But you know, the one thing that kind of stands out to me is how do you find these people? Because like the industry, from what I understand, what I read, doctors and nurses are dwindling as far as enrollment and people signing up. How are you continually finding these people? The clinicians. Yes. Oh, so we get asked this a lot. Um, so this is their dream job, most of them, right? So for instance, we also do some government work, um, some other type of government contracts outside of our work with you all. And I'm hiring um, 60 nurses this month for one of those initiatives, okay? We put out you know, our, some feelers to some of the people that know us. And I think we had almost 450 applications of you know, highly trained ER nurses from level one trauma hospitals. The requirements were um, over six years in practice at the bedside at at the ER, um, special certifications, ACLS, PALS, so PALS. I mean, they come to us. It's it's almost like I, I almost feel bad answering that question because I think we're grabbing them when they're about to walk away. And then they meet with us and they're like, wait a minute. So I get to actually take care of people and follow up with them and have a relationship with them. This is why I became a nurse. So this is why I became a doctor. Mm -hmm. So we're pretty blessed in that area. I think that it's very validating that what we're doing matters from the clinician standpoint. Um, And then I'll tell you, most of them don't know how the payer side works. So when we first bring them in and we tell them what's been going on behind the scenes and why things are the way they are, 
Talk about some fired up (laughs) clinicians that are ready to go knock down walls for patients because they feel like they've been taken advantage of so much and they become instant advocates. So for us, like I said, we're we're hiring 60 this month and we we had within 24 hours, we had over a couple hundred um, resumes of of qualified candidates. That's insane. Um, I think we've got over a hundred that we keep that are like what we call a bench, just waiting for to be hired, um, that we've already interviewed, that we know are going to be part of the modern health team eventually. Um, we keep them updated on things. We keep educating them. We keep letting them know what's going on. Um, and they're just so done with the current system and so ready to just be part of something that, you know, is just helping people. So how do we keep younger folks coming into the profession that want to do the job, right? They're altruistic. They have that that yeah. great f- sense of duty. But when you can sit over here and easily say, I can fill a hundred spots tomorrow because people are burnt out. I mean, do you see that there's going to be a problem with the system as it is? Because we don't have doctors and nurses as it is. How yeah. much longer can that go? You know, I don't know. I, I think, um, I'm not sure if I'm the one to solve that problem yet. <laughs> I, I think it's scary though. And I think it's heartbreaking. I think that most of the forums and the events I'm in with large groups of nurses and doctors, um, where it used to be a prideful thing to pass your profession on to your children and that love for people, um, it's going away. People are no no longer, you know, I I hear more and more nurses and physicians saying, don't, don't do it, which is scary. And I don't know if the system is going to have to completely collapse before you know they understand the severity of it. Um, I, I don't know. And I think that it's the same with primary care. You hear, well, just get people primary care. And it's easy to say in theory, just like everything else, just like all the innovative theory. But in practical cases, you know, Primary care doctors are not going into the field. I mean, people are not going in to be primary care doctors anymore. We have a huge shortage of primary care doctors. And, you know, the misconception that, well, we've given this great network to our employees. Why aren't they getting care? The reality is we go in and we sit down and, again, talk to every single person one-on-one. And we learn almost always 50 to 60% of them haven't seen a primary care doctor in years despite the list of 200 primary care doctors you've given them. And we start asking questions on why, and it's, I called the first 20 and they're not taking patients and I gave up. I'm just, I guess I can't go. I'll have to go to urgent care if something happens. Mm -hmm. So that's a real reality that I'm not sure if it's getting talked about enough, but you know, it's one of the reasons I brought on primary care to our offering was because yeah, that'd be great if I could get someone to go in person five times a year, but that's not what's happening. There's a gap there. So in the meantime, they're going to have a dedicated primary care doctor from my team, and we're going to do everything we can to at least fill that gap while, while we're trying to search out and find someone for them to go see in person, right? I think it's scary what's going to happen in the future. Um, and I think it's, I, I almost would guess it's going to have to collapse to some level before we really start taking it seriously. I completely agree. And by those people not seeing their primary cares and not staying in touch, the costs get more expensive, right? Because something about the human body's a machine, but it's 
we don't take care of it, right? And that's it, right. And it's going to be more expensive down the road. It is. And I think that's what people thought, like you're just trying to compete with telemedicine when we brought in our physicians. And it was like, no, it's a need. Like there are too many people that are not seeing, not seeing someone in, in person. It's a huge need. So what we can do is have them meet with our primary care doctor, send them to go get tests or hands-on assessment done at a cash pay option, maybe, right? We get those orders back. We get those test results back. We get all the data that the primary care doctor needs and we start treatment because otherwise you've got a huge percentage of the population just not getting primary care. And some of it's so scary because it's like, you know, 40% of the population might have undiagnosed, you know, heart disease. And it's like, it's a $6 cocktail to start taking care of this and make sure this person doesn't end up having a heart attack. But we don't know that unless we actually get them diagnosed and we get the labs done. Yeah, it just one begets the other too, right? Because comorbidities happen, right? You're right. That's just the start of it. Yeah, it's... it's um. Like you said, we're probably not going to be able to solve the issues. We're going to probably put a good fight for it. But I think that goes back to case by case, person by person, group by group, right? And then That's plan right. by plan. You have to look at it that way or you'll get extremely overwhelmed, right? Yeah, you'll quit. You'll quit for yeah, sure. You can't do that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, you know, we've, we've been speaking here for a little bit. What do you think is the future for modern health? Where, where do you think things are going to keep progressing? Well, we just moved into, I think we're almost in 30 states now. I think that we just have to keep doing the right thing, keep doing what we're doing. Um, I don't want to in-state for the company. I don't want to become a public company. I think that we're at the very early stages of the things that are going to solve what's going on in healthcare. It's not going to happen overnight. It's it's a long fight that we're all in. Mm -hmm. I think that we're at the beginning of it. And we want to continue. I could see us partnering with more and more people like yourself or bigger entities that we, we are mission aligned with to kind of, you know, team up and create a, a bigger fight. And I don't know exactly who that's going to be as we continue to grow. But I think that's I think that's where we're headed. I think we just have to keep doing the right thing, keep plugging away, keep solving the problem. I, I don't pretend to know. I know more where I'm not going to be in seven years, I think, more so than where we are going to be. Right on. You know, we're doing more pop-up clinics, more hybrid model where we're going on site because of that primary care problem. We're going on and doing biometrics. Um, we're trying to really maintain that hybrid, you know, how much do we need to be there without it over, without overspending for the employer? And then how much can we balance that using technology? Yep. A- another huge end goal for us is, I mean, the first time I looked at clinical, I mean, at um, historical claims data, I was blown away by how much information that gave me as a clinician to start building, you know, a profile on a person. So we've gotten to where we're looking at that a lot of times beforehand, um, before we ever even meet with the person. So we start to get some information that way. Then we meet with them in person. And I'll tell you, half the time we, we recognize that, that is not the right, it's not a full picture. You know, um, we'd like to be able to get to a point where we're looking at historical claims data and then real time data um, and being able to, you know, basically paint a risk profile that goes back and even saves more for the employer. I think that's going to be really important for us in the future. Um, Think about like a really simple example is you've got a risk level that's very high for a female 
because they're at a certain age and they haven't had a mammogram done. We talked to them and, oh yeah, we actually got them a cash pay mammogram at this location. So it's not documented in that risk profile or they got it done maybe on a spouse's insurance plan. So there's all these dispersed databases. Mm -hmm. And if we can kind of pull those together and then marry that with what we're doing, actual hands-on care that we're providing or virtual care that we're providing, I think we can continue to reduce cost and you know get that trajectory going the right way for employers and continue to get their people healthier, but continue to help advocate for them as well to, to save cost and uh, show them there's a better way. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly in that the data is so disparate, right, mm-hmm. depending on your certain situation. But once you can get down to helping the person at one instance, right, just maybe if getting to see a DP doctor, right, direct, yeah. direct primary care doctor, it usually opens the door up that that person's willing to involve, trust you, involve you into the next thing, or, Hey, here's the plan data that I have from my spouse's plan. And I have the kids covered underneath that. You now you're solving multi-generational issues. I think that's something that we all need to invest in. Even if we don't have that person on our plan, right? Yeah. I mean, we're not making money from them. I think that is one thing that's really broken in the way advisors look at the business because they only look at who's on the plan. And then they look at reactionary of like, okay, this happened. Well, how do you prevent that from happening? And that's really going back to what you said of, of having a little bit more um, hands-on with that historical claims data up front so it doesn't become a problem going forward. And that's something that I think every health plan needs to invest in. Yeah, I do too. And I think it's a, it's a backwards look. You can't do anything about that claim. It, it helps build what problems a patient's facing and it helps us treat them, you know, better. But there's got to be more to it than that. We see so much, you know, so many things right now, point solutions coming out that let's look at your claim data. Let's have an expert. Um, I actually just talked with one. Heart's in the right place, but we're looking at ortho type, you know, uh, musculoskeletal. And it's like, but we can tell you from this company that here's all the things that went wrong with these treatments and that's fantastic. But what are we doing about it going forward? That's right. You have to do something with it going forward. It's not enough to add another layer of cost to just be able to evaluate what we all already know, which is healthcare is completely mismanaged when it's left, you know, up to an employee to manage it on their own. hundred percent or the government or large or carriers. <laughs> that's, that's right. right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, um, I wanted to thank you so much. Really can't thank you enough for doing this with us and being a great partner to us and our clients and looking forward to uh, nothing but more good stuff going forward. I'm genuinely, genuinely thankful for our partnership um, because as I alluded to earlier, it is not easy for us to find people that we feel like we can truly partner with for the, you know, for the betterness of the employees. So thank you. You bet. Well, thank you. And uh, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.